welcome to day 120 of Shape by the Word. Paul Kemp here with Matthew Kresge and Catherine Kresge. Hello. And uh, we're reading or working our way through 1 Corinthians. And as we've highlighted a number of times when we read 1 Corinthians, uh, the Corinthian church was one of the challenges for Paul's ministry. They challenged uh, both his apostleship and his authority and, and his teaching. So he's slowly working through problems that have crept into the church. He began by addressing factions that were in the church and then sexual immorality that had slid into the church and how we can honor God through our sexuality uh, and the, the way that we relate to one another. And uh, we've been talking about food served to idols, which was a, a problem in a lot of you know, Paul's churches because you had the Jewish you know, believers coming together with believers coming out of the Greek life and uh, their dietary laws were quite different and their habits were quite different. So we've come to the tail end of the argument about food, surf, you know, food served idols. And he uses an example from Israel's history, how idolatry sidetracked Israel and kept them from entering to the promised land. And then he ends by talking about the believer's freedom. So it's a wonderful little passage we uh, read together in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, but as always, before we do, we pause to realize that this is more than just uh, to put another check in our reading box or... Mm-hmm. Uh, to learn a few more facts about Scripture, uh, that we read to know God, we read to have our hearts transformed by His His Word, uh, for the Spirit to continue His work in us. So before we read, let's offer ourselves to the Lord. Matt, do you mind yeah, lifting us up? Yeah. Father, we do pause um, before you, recognizing your greatness, your goodness. Um, you're so much higher than us, and, and yet you've drawn near to us through your Son and, and in your Spirit. And so, Father, as we read, um, would you give us wisdom, uh, illuminate the words on, a, on the page, not just um, that we may have a head knowledge, but that we may grow um, in, a, in a, with a greater love for you and in greater relationship with you as well. And God, thank you that you have pursued us um, in your Son. Um, Father, help us to heed the words from Paul um, in, in this passage today, and and help us to to bring you glory as we do so. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. First Corinthians chapter ten. For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud, that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on the evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ as some of them did and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. I speak to sensible people, judge for yourself what I say. It's not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ. It is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ. Because there is one love, we here are many, are one body, for we all share the one love. 
consider the people of Israel. Do not those who eat the sacrifices participate in the altar? Do I mean then that food sacrificed to an idol is anything, or that an idol is anything? No, but the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons also. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. Are we trying to arouse the Lord's jealousy? Are we stronger than he is? I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good but the good of others. Eat anything sold in the meat market without raising questions of conscience, for the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If an unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat whatever is put before you without raising questions of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it, both for the sake of the one who told you and for the sake of conscience. I'm referring to the other person's conscience, not yours. For why is my freedom being judged by another's conscience? If I take part in the meal with thanksgiving, why am I denounced because of something I thank God for? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews or Greeks or the church of God, even though I try to please everyone in every way. For I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. What a wonderful conclusion uh, to, a, you know, to a rather drawn-out you know, topic, eating you know, food that is served to idols. And, of course, he says it's okay, you know, if you're buying food from the market, uh, you know, to go ahead and eat it without asking any questions. It's okay to go to someone's house, and if you're offered food, you know, to eat it without asking any questions. But it's not okay, you know, to go to the pagan temples and actually participate in the festivals. And he compares pagan festivals, you know, to the Lord's Supper, which is a beautiful, you know, parallel that he draws in, in this passage. And then, of course, he brings it home with principles that far outstretch food, how we live for each other and live for God's glory mm-hmm. rather than living for ourselves. So what are some of the things from this passage that uh, kind of strike you as you as we read through it? I think for me, um, one thing that I'm seeing as I read um, 1 Corinthians, and I've never seen before um, in my reading of this book, is just the um, corporate implications. So like what we choose to do it's not an just an individual choice it is affecting the whole body so when you're part of christ's body and you're partaking in the bread which is christ's body and 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 the wine which is christ's blood you are sharing in christ with the body of christ Mm -hmm. so when you choose to do something that affects the whole body and so i'm I, i think i'm just seeing um how paul is showing these believers that their sin, if they choose to sin, their sin is affecting everyone in the body. Um, yeah, and of course it goes in two dimensions. Because we're joined with Christ, our sin has direct you know, implications in Christ. And mm-hmm. so he used that argument, you know, when you join yourself to a prostitute, you're also joining Christ himself, mm-hmm. you know, to a prostitute. But not only that, uh, everyone else around you is part of the body of Christ. So your sin affects them, and you're you know to live for them you know, rather than yourself. So you're right; we do miss it when we read from Western eyes. We read everything as individuals rather than realizing we've been incorporated into a community, and it really would help us in our reading of Scripture to see, uh, you know, to see the community aspect of it. That we are part of a larger body, part of a larger movement, yeah. and. Uh, 
we are living not only for ourselves but for each other. Yeah, yeah. and we're going to see that even more. You know, as we read right. First Corinthians, when he starts to talk about the, this week the church be, being the body. Yeah. yeah, this week will be full of that there. emphasis. I, I love the very beginning of chapter ten, just kind of watching how Paul, you know, interprets some of the Old Testament story or or gives us some of the Old Testament story when he says, you know, I didn't want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud. You know, pass through the sea. I mean, pointing us back to such a significant moment. I mean, this was the salvation story, you know, of the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And then he and and I love. We've been talking about the Lord's Supper. You know, just kind of the illusion, or maybe in a sense, you know, they ate the same spiritual food and drank from the sp- same spiritual drink, which was Christ. Yeah, that connection. You know, how was the Old Testament believer sustained in the wilderness, even in their sin? Yeah, through this spiritual food and drink, how it, are we s- sustained? Uh, yeah, supernatural, of course, the manna and, and the quail and the water that they received. Yeah. But he also sees it as spiritually symbolic of the nourishment we spiritual nourishment we receive in Christ, and, and of course, he describes them as being nourished and sustained, you know, by Christ. Yeah. Uh, which is fantastic. I just like you know that first line for I didn't want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our our ancestors, yeah, the churches, and of course he's talking about he's talking to a largely you know Gentile audience, mm-hmm. but that's our heritage, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because we are in Christ, we are incorporated into Christ and in the body of Christ, and the fulfillment you know of His promises yeah. to Israel. So I thought that was just a fun little line. You know, or our fathers, yeah. you know, would be the more literal, you know, translation of that. Do you think that these believers would have already made that connection that the rock that Moses struck, that, you know, that the water came out of was Christ? Like, the, that connection was already made, or do you think he was making that for them here? Paul just makes things up. Man, no. <laughs> actually, actually, it's part of a rich, you know, it's part of, yeah. a, it's part of a heritage, you know, an extra biblical Jewish heritage, you know, that uh, he may be drawing you know, drawing from. You have a mention of the rock at the beginning of Israel's journey, you know, through the wilderness yeah. and at the end. And so many were saying, you know, the rock followed them all the way through. And then Paul is making, you know, something that goes beyond, you know, the sense when you, you bring in the psalmist, you know, where you talk about God is my rock. Mm-hmm. And then he's transferring that whole image, you know, to Christ. And he's saying whether a rock followed them all the way yeah. or not, we have no idea, but the rock Followed them all the way through the presence, you know, the presence mm-hmm. of Christ. So drawing on images from the Psalm, you know, where Yahweh is my rock, mm-hmm. and to say Christ is our rock, and you know, kind of the super, uh, you know, supra, uh, you know, traditions, you know, that are surrounding this. He's, he's bringing all those together to make a far greater spiritual mm-hmm. point. And he's the living water that comes out of the, out oh, of the absolutely, rock <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, but the bread and you know the bread and the water yeah. Yeah. images, you know, yeah. that Jesus so cool. used. And as I think well. as we watch Paul kind of you know, use this Old Testament story, I think it should it should be a reminder to us that this wasn't just like you know history for them. This was a story that they lived in, and, and that's when we get the gospel is not just you know historical events that happened. And although it, it was, it's it's a story that we continue to see ourselves in today and live in. Mm-hmm. You know this this story that Paul is recapturing for them or recapitulating is, is our story. Yeah. You know that that our ancestors, just as he writes to the church in Corinth, no doubt pass through, and and, and they do read it differently. You know, they read it not. You know, this is just. You know, this is 
this is our past, but this is our living present yeah. because these things, and, and of course, you know, that's what he says, yeah, you know, in verse seven, these things happen to them as examples and were written down, you know, as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages yeah. has come. Right. Many of our translations say, you know, the end of ages, it's a you know, word, you know, teleos, the, the goal of the ages or, you know, the final, you know, the goal, you know, the whole, all of creation is reaching its final goal mm-hmm. in Christ, which mm-hmm. is inaugurated in Christ. So when we speak of end times, you know, a lot of times we look, you know, forward to, you know, some events that we've had in some movies or, you know, some books that we read, but we are living in mm-hmm. the final age mm-hmm. as Christ is summing up all history or as God is summing yeah. up all history in Christ. You have to love too. I mean, he gives them this strong warning, right? And he points back to this story that they know so well and says, you know, look at the judgment that they incurred on themselves because of their, you know, idolatry. And and then he points to them and says, you know, you however you, you need to flee from idolatry. But he says, and God is faithful, and He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. You know, but when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. You know, just yeah. reminding them to, you know, despite or maybe even in these great warnings, yes. you you have a God who remains faithful. I always thought that promise was kind of a bed and switch. You provide a way out so that you can endure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> a way out for us is yeah. it's right through the yeah. temptation. Where you're yeah, enduring. you know, just uh, taking us uh, out. And actually, you know, literally so that you can stand up under it, he will give you the strength to stand in. In your trials, yeah. not necessarily remove you from your trials, and of course, in His grace, use your trials in order to build you up, you know, in Christ Jesus. I, I love the comparison, you know, of uh, moving on, you know, to idol feasts, that participation in a sacrifice as a participation or a partnership, you know, with a you know a certain god or a, a demon. He says, on one hand, they're not any gods at all, but on the other hand, there's demonic spirits, mm-hmm. you know, that are motivating that worship and driving that worship so you're actually participating with demons but he also talks about when we you know, drink you know when we eat the bread and we drink the cup that we are participating in in Christ and a lot of times you know those of us who've you know grown up Baptist we really take that bread and wine for granted you know it's just kind of an afterthought and that but it is you know it is uh, you know I, I tend toward you know loving what Calvin said there's a spiritual presence you know of Christ when we do that and we are this is a meal where we are participating mm-hmm. you know in Christ and he said let's let's make our participation singular yeah. you know we're with him mm-hmm. and of course you know what you were talking about uh, since we are all participating in the same meal it makes us one in Christ mm-hmm. yeah uh, and which transforms the way we use our freedom yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what he moves into. Yeah. And, and Paul's been arguing this all along. You know, I mean, we've seen it kind of throughout his argument to the you know, in this letter. Just watch how I use my freedom. You know, I watch how I use my rights as an apostle. Mm-hmm. And now he gets to hear and says, you know, I have the right to do anything you say. You notice the quotes. You know, that's this, the phrase. Yeah. I can do anything we want. You know, God's grace. Frees us. He says, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. And, and it just raises the question: How are we using our our freedom in Christ? You know, is it is it for us exclusively? Because then we find we're not. It's not actually freedom. It's actually yeah, enslaving. Are we using it for the benefit of when others? When we indulge ourselves, we we have become slaves again to the principles yeah. that once held us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think the way he closes that. So wh- whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, you know. So whether you take the Lord's Supper, whether you eat it. You know the marketplace or wherever it is, um, 
do it all for the glory of God. You know, fantastic. Freedom. I mean, you, what, what a fantastic line. And, and that is the line, you know, that replaces, I have the right to do anything. Yeah, exactly. And what the Corinthians are saying is, I have the right to do anything. And Paul says, nah, whatever you do, mm-hmm. whether you eat or drink, do it all to the glory of God. Mm-hmm. And don't cause anyone to stumble, which is a great, you know, secondary rule. First of all, I want to glorify God in all I do. And I don't want to offer any offense to the gospel or any barrier to the gospel in the way that I do, you know, what I what I do. Yeah. And in many ends I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that we so that we may be saved. Yeah. And again you have that corporate sense of salvation. Mm-hmm. So that together we may experience, you know, not just the final salvation of the Lord, but the uh, you know, ongoing mm-hmm. salvation of the Lord in our midst. Yeah. So fun passage all the way That's through. Good. You know, it's fun to see, too, before we pray. Just kind of a fun biblical it's theology. It's too late. We're, we're already praying. <laughs> As we've been reading this together and kind of the order we've been reading it in, I mean, we, we highlighted this several times throughout the book of Acts, how many times Paul just appealed to his clear conscience, you know, the importance of conscience. And here, when he begins to talk about the believer's freedom, he, he addresses their conscience, you know, and how to keep their cl- their conscience clean, wow. you know, or clear before God and man. And it's just, a, I think, a great reminder to us. And the before is Agrippa, important. I God strive is, always yeah. to keep my conscience clear before God and man. Absolutely. And should anybody else stand judgment over my conscience? But but I do act for the sake of others' conscience. Exactly. Katie, why don't you uh, close us with a with a word of prayer? Okay. And remember, we're already two minutes <laughs> and fourteen seconds over, so should okay. so we have, you a, have very, a, clear a very effective, very short prayer I will play on behalf a, of the pray believers. with a clear conscience for about five minutes. Um, <laughs> Father, thank you for this time in your Word. Um, thank you so much for what Paul has written um, as an example to us, just like um, the the Book of Exodus, the story of of your people was written as an example to us as well. Um, God, thank you so much for your word. And would we um, remember and would we be empowered by the Spirit to um, to remember that we are a part of a body, one body, and um, that our actions are, um, the actions that we do in our freedom, um, that they affect those around us, those who are also in the body and, and those outside of the body. Um, how they see us. So Lord, would you help us to keep that in mind? Help us to to remember that we are ambassadors of Christ in this world. And would you empower us, Holy Spirit, to be salt and light in this world as well. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.